Hey, good morning and welcome to another edition of Overtime Heroics, Major League Baseball podcast, Cheap Seats Chatter. I'm your host, Ken Allison. I can be found on Twitter at KenAllison18. And joining this week, uh, me this week are Joe Boric, who can be found at JJ Boric, B-O-R-E-K, 26 on Twitter. Uh, Matthias Altman uh, Kurosaki, who can be found at Matthias underscore A underscore K on Twitter. And Alex Clark, who can be found at the Sports Guy 242 on Twitter. Um, missing today is uh, our buddy Luke Garrison, who couldn't be uh, who, who uh, couldn't be on the show, but we got plenty to talk about with or without him. Um, let guys, let's start with uh, the fact that we are now in a series that the Dodgers are leading three to two. Um, Going back, if, I, if we can, before we start, I wanted to look at our, our predictions. Mac had the Dodgers in seven. Luke took the Dodgers in seven. Joe took the Dodgers in seven. And I was the lone wolf with the hot take initially with the Rays in seven. Um, Alex had a write-in vote that we just now counted. He had the Rays in six. So uh, uh, he's still in He's still in the game with the Rays, but obviously he didn't make the six count. Um, uh, one victory over sorry, over them getting none right, so I'll, I'll take it. Uh, so going back uh, to the way beginning, back on October twentieth, um, we had game one. The Dodgers took uh, eight to three. Uh, you had Kershaw, Kershaw on Glass now, which which was the rematch last night as well. Um, Mac, what was your take on game one? I thought Kershaw looked locked in from the beginning. Um, he pitched very well. Uh, I honestly thought Dave Roberts shouldn't have taken him out. I mean, he only had 78 pitches through six innings. And um, I just think that they should have left him in to rest the bullpen. But, I mean, they still ended up winning 8-3. Uh, to three, So... I guess it didn't necessarily backfire, and Kershaw still pitched well in Game Five. So you know, it was it was a good game. The Dodgers played very well. Uh, they looked like a complete team. Uh, they hit, they pitched, they ran. They played very good defense, and overall, it was just a very fundamentally sound game from the the Dodgers. Yeah, Kershaw finished with six innings, pitched two hits, one earned run, one walk, eight strikeouts, and he gave up one home run. Um, his counterpart. Uh, Glasnow took the loss. He had 4.1 innings pitched, three hits, six earned runs, six walks, eight Ks, and he also gave up one homer. Um, Alex, what was your take on that game? So when I was watching this game, I just felt like at this point the race just looked outmatched. This was one where there was always the kind of look. There's always been the joke out there that Kershaw just can't get it done in the playoffs. He chokes. But he looks fantastic. He looked fantastic in the game. And I agree that maybe he could have gone longer. I, I'll always kind of err on the side of caution when it comes to starting pitchers, especially since we know that more than likely in the series they could go twice, maybe even three times. So throwing less pitches I think works. But my thing is that from the entire the entirety of the game, the Dodgers looked, I think you, got, you said it best, locked and loaded. They looked ready to go, whereas the Rays almost looked like they were kind of caught in something. The Dodgers looked like they were ready to play, and they came out swinging quite literally and figuratively. And you take a look at it, I mean, a couple homers by Bellinger, Betts. The defense was good. The offense was good. And it really kind of put kind of the thought in me that, you know, I don't know if I want this to happen, but this looks like if this continues even remotely, I don't know how the Rays recover. What about uh, you, Joe? 
Um, yeah, I think uh, what Alex said about Bellinger, that's really what got them going because in the fourth he was able to slam that homer. And as we all remember, I mean, in the end of the Atlanta series, he injured his shoulder celebrating, and then his, he slammed a homer in the first game back. So you could tell he wasn't at least showing ill effect from me. You have no idea how he feels. So he really got them going. And I think uh, Kershaw continuing to pitch the way that he – uh, balled out um, in first game, like Matt said. Um, it, that's just, I mean, that's just going to get you to the next level in any game, let alone when you're playing a team like Tampa, like I said before, that's a very good team, but it's more so because of their pitching, building their momentum and their defense rather than and then getting key hits than it is overall hitting. So being able to have your pitcher get the momentum for you and then cemented with Bellinger smoking one to right, uh, I think that really got you. And I do agree with Mac, though. I don't know what the heck uh, Kershaw was taken out at the time he was taken out for. The only thing I could agree, or not, the only thing I could think of the reason, I mean, is score, I guess. But still, they should have saved more there. I completely agree with that. You don't take out your ace to 70 something pitches in game one of the World Series when he's looking like the Clayton Kershaw that we all know and most of us, I think, love to watch. So I do agree with that as well. Yeah, and home runs seem to be the theme for the World Series. Um, Kiermaier hit one for the Rays in Game 1. Uh, overall, 70% of the Rays' uh, scoring during the World Series has come from the long ball. Uh, and That's that even, that, the issue. Um, you know, so stopping, um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm looking for the Rays to pick up a win, but stopping um, these guys from, you know, from getting to the, you know, hit the long ball, it's got to be key for the Dodgers, or I think the Rays are going to, you know, be able to find that momentum, um, you know, if they continue pounding, obviously, and, and you know, they've got a lot of work to do now down down 3-2, um, but I don't think it's an insurmountable task. In no way, shape, or form, it's an insurmountable. I think that right now the Rays have actually a very good chance in Game 6, especially when you take a look at the pitching matchup, which we'll get to later on, and the broadcast. But I think that right now with this series, it is not, it's not over. It's not over. Overall offense for the two teams in Game 1, the Dodgers went 10 for 38, which is a 263 batting average. Uh, they were 5 for 14, uh, which is a 357 average with runners in scoring position. They drew seven walks and 11 Ks. Um, so they certainly weren't being overly patient at the plate. Um, but likewise, uh, the Rays were less patient going 6 for 32, which is a 188 average, um, 2 for 5 in scoring position, which is a 400 average. Um, uh, so obviously, you know, they did a little better. Um, with runners in scoring position, but obviously had a lot less opportunities. Um, they were only able to draw one walk, and they fanned ten times. So I would, I would obviously give you know the pitching strength to the Dodgers in that first game. Uh, Mac. Yeah, uh, I think though where the game seemed to like, I thought like one of the key moments in the game was when the Rays were rallying in game one and uh, they, you know, Kershaw had just come out and they'd scored two runs and they had two on and one out with Mike Zunino up against Victor Gonzalez and he hit that screaming liner right back at Gonzalez and he just happened to snag it and turn a double play. I think that 
had that ball gotten through, I think that the Rays could have rallied and heck, they the with the momentum they looked like they were gaining, I thought they were gonna come back and maybe even somehow stun the Dodgers and win it. I think uh if Gonzalez hadn't snagged that liner, who knows what could have happened. I'm sorry, any other thoughts, Alex or Joe, on game one? Um, I was going to say my own thought was the Rays need to put together, um, this applies to game one especially, but some other games too, more just getting hits and then hitting a home run rather than always relying, as you hit on the head, Ken, the home run ball. That's not going to get you over the promised land, which is winning the World Series here uh, in in this case, if you're going to continue to do that against a team like the Dodgers. So. And uh, Alex, any final thoughts on the first game? For the first game, I think, like I said, it all were like, it just felt like the, the Rays were trapped, the Dodgers were locked and loaded. And I agree that I don't think the Rays will be able to get by solely with the long ball because we've seen that the Dodgers just do it better. The Rays are going to get by with stern pitching, with good defense, and timely hitting. All right, let's move on to game two. Uh, the Rays were able to bounce back with a 6-4 win. They tied the series at one apiece. Um, so far as pitching was concerned, Blake Snell got the start, no decision. 4.2 innings pitch, two hits, two earned runs, four walks, nine strikeouts, and a home run. Um, Nick Anderson got the win. Uh, he ended up going... Uh, 1.1 innings, uh, gave up one hit, one run, no walks, two Ks, and a home run. Um, uh, Diego Castillo got the save for the Rays, and Tony Gonsolin took the loss for the Dodgers, uh, going only 1.1 innings, giving up one hit, one run, uh, one walk, one strikeout, one home run. Um, what, uh, what did you guys think of the way that Kevin Cash and his team bounced back in game two, Mac. I thought they bounced back very nicely after game one. You know, Snell, up until that fifth inning, Snell looked locked in. Uh, they're hitting, I mean, Brandon Lau, who has been struggling a lot this postseason, hit two homers. I thought that was huge. Um, you know, they're, the Dodgers were fighting back. Uh, it looked like they had a shot to to maybe come back and win this game, but the the bullpen really stepped up for the Rays in the later innings, especially uh, Diego Castillo coming in and shutting the door, I think. Um, you know, him and Aaron Luke also, who stayed in right up until there were two outs in the ninth inning. I think they, they did very well, and uh, it was just, again, very similar to the Dodgers in game one. It was a very fundamentally sound game for the Rays, and... I think they just they came out uh, ready to bounce back, and they came through on it. Alex? Yeah, so I wanted to kind of touch on Brandon Lowe, too. It's kind of fun because, again, we always look at it. We look at game two, and I think that Lowe is really the hero for it, and he is, rightfully so. One thing that kind of messes with me a little bit is that Lowe, over the course so far this entire postseason, has three hits, and all three of them are long bombs. Six RBIs total for him, which, again, tells me a couple things. It tells me, one, 
you know what? He's got a thing for Long Bob, which that's fine. But the other thing that kind of worries me is that, again, he's not getting just normal hits. He's not getting anything normally. But he's been doing them at a good timely points. I mean, he's helped. He basically almost single-handedly got the race, the win in game two offensively. So with Lau, I think you've got to, to kind of worry about that a little bit. The fact that, again, over the course of all uh, five games, he has a total of three hits. And two of them came in the same game. So I think that with game two, I, I completely agree with what you said just a minute ago, that the bullpen really stepped up. And that has been the strength of the team that we were talking about going into the postseason in general. We were saying that the main strengths of this team were a really good starting pitching core, and the bullpen was locked down, and they really showed it in game two. Again, you talked about Diego Castillo coming to the save, Aaron Loop as well. I mean, the the offense, as in the pitching, has looked fantastic for the Rays in that game. There have been times where it's not looked as good, but it was a fantastic bounce-back game from game one where you gave up, what, eight runs? Being able to keep that a little bit lower this time and let the pitching go at their own tempo, really good for the Rays. And I thought it was really fun to see them tie it up at Game 2 after a Game 1 that was, I thought, very demoralizing for the Rays. Joe, your take? Yeah, I think everybody hit it on the head with Lau. I mean, I will admit, like, one of my two uh, very quickly guilty pleasure teams this year on MLB TV was one West team, the Padres. The East team was the Rays because they were some of the funnest teams to watch because they were not only good, they just had that energy that can't be explained all the time. And how good of an all-star player we know Lau can be at his best. He just has an energy-type spark to him, too, and to get him to come out and hit that home run right away. And then the other guy that always has provided energy for them and Jerry Wendell, who's done that at his entire career for whatever team he's on, uh, doubled. And then he had a big game himself as well because later in the game uh, he made it 6-2 to two when he got out on a sacrifice fly, being able to do what we just said, play small ball. So he had a big double and then was able to do the small things. And that's more the type of player he is. So if guys like Lau and him have good games, they have always been kind of table-setter guys one as a platoon player and the other as an all-star level player for the Rays that set an energy for them. So if those guys get going, or guys like Yandy Diaz, um, that's going to be big for Tampa. But I just think you got to shout it out to Joey Wendell, who had a huge uh, double that scored two people to make it 3 nothing, And then he had that sack fly just doing the small stuff, too. In a game two, he came up big for the Rays as well. Yeah, and the Dodgers weren't without their set of home runs for the for Game Two either, as uh, Taylor Smith and Seager all homered. Um, looking at the overall offense for Game Two, the Dodgers went five for thirty-two, which is only a one fifty-six batting average. Quite a difference from the night before. Uh, they were zero for six with runners in scoring position. They drew four walks and fanned fifteen times, um, making the uh, the Rays. Uh, and, uh, well, Snell in the bullpen looked pretty good. Uh, the Rays, on the other hand, went 10 for 35. It's a 286 average. Um, they also weren't great with runners in scoring position, just one for nine, which works out to a 111 average. Uh, they were able to draw four walks as well, but only fanned uh, seven times, so less than half of what the Dodgers did. Um, I've not been overly impressed with Blake Snell, um, and I'll tell you why. Um He's a great he's a great pitcher, but but a lot like um, you Darvish, 
he he seems to rely so much on the strikeout that his pitch counts go way up, and I and I don't think you get as many innings out of the guy as you can get. Um, once Darvish back down, well, he's still striking out people like crazy, but once Darvish is back down and started trusting in his defense more, he was able to go into that sixth or seventh inning, you know, where a year ago he couldn't get past five. Um, so, you know, we saw, we, we'll see Blake Snell again tonight, I believe. Um, or I'm sorry, tomorrow night. Um, uh, and, actually, uh, yeah, can I, can I respond to that, actually, if you don't mind, though? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I like, I understand that point with Blake Snell about being a strikeout artist and why that is not so much a good thing, because, again, it does mean throwing a lot of pitches. But on the contrary to kind of that, if you have the gift of the K, if you have the gift of the strikeout where you have absolutely dominating stuff, you've got to use it, in my opinion. You've got like We've seen that some, a lot of teams have struggled when they preach to the pitchers of the pitch to contact. Because, yes, it does mean you can go longer, but especially against big-hitting teams like the Dodgers, that can lead into a lot of problems. It's not so much not trusting your defense. It's using what you got. And on top of it, also using what you got, the Rays have a fantastic bullpen, so they don't need to go as deep into ballgames because you know that the guys you have afterwards, you've got several guys there that can really do a good job, and you can trust that bullpen to try and keep the score down. All you got to do is get through five, maybe six, of good, solid baseball, striking out ten. If that's what you can do, then heck yeah, good on you. Yeah, but and I, I don't I think gonna, you need to go as far. Yeah, I was going to grant you that point. I was thinking about it. You know, yes, the Rays do have a lot better bullpen than, you know, to back up Snell than the Cubs had to back up Darvish this year. Um, so you know, you're right. You're right. It is a gift. I mean, but um, when you know when your bullpen starts getting tired, and these guys have got to be getting tired to some extent at this point. You know, I think you just need your starter to, you know, you know, to do all he well, can, obviously, can. to get as far as he can in the game. Ken, I was going to say, though, I think it's a philosophy, though, too, where the Rays you see all season, most of their pitchers don't go the third time through the order. The only guy that has a couple of times or guys have been Morden and Snell, where everyone else usually comes out, where I think they tell their guys just go out there gunning, where if he came to a team that has a different spread, like if he went to... I know we don't love this team overall right now, but a team with the philosophy of the Astros... Who we said build more now to a more extended pitcher, they would you would probably see a different type of Blake Snell going deeper into games more consistently. It also depends on the philosophy of the team of which you pitch for. So I think that comes into play as well because we saw a guy like Bauer, who's an energy type hurler that guns at a strikeout type guy early in his career not go deep into games. In the last three years he started going deeper into games, especially recently. So like that could be the same case for Blake Snell, who's now 27. That's around exactly when Bauer, 26, 27, started going deeper into games. I think it also depends on pitching philosophy. That I agree with Ken on that. I think uh, Kevin Cash can sometimes be too analytical with, but but I do think Snell could go deeper into games if his pitching coach kind of adjusted his mindset a bit. Because I think if your mindset's just go out there gunning, which it looks like the Rays has been from watching them. I would say that's also part of the mindset. And I, I one other thing about Snell that I've noticed is that he's, for some reason, he's not 
working the inside half of the plate uh, to the batter. Uh, everything seems to be, well, to the right-handed batter, I should say. Everything, everything he's throwing looks to be center to left on the plate. You know, and I and I think you know, in, unless you can start working that inside half of the plate to a right-handed batter, um, you know, where you can get jam shots and roll over ground balls and you know, uh, broken bat pop-ups and things like that. You know, I think that's gonna that's gonna create a problem for him, especially you know if if Dave Roberts turns around, you know, um, and, and plays to that weakness accordingly with his batting order tomorrow. Yeah, we'll have to see. I've always liked Snell. I think he's a pretty good pitcher. I think his package goes a lot of philosophy. And we saw him have a hell of a year this year. It's just uh, yeah. playoffs, different beast. And it's not like he pitched terribly in the first game he, he pitched in this series. Um, he just pitched too many walks and pitched around. Like you said, he pitched around the zone too much because he didn't pitch inside until two righty. So I'm hoping that's a game game plan adjustment they made for tomorrow's game. We'll have to see if that's the key. Yeah, you'll have to yeah. forgive us. We keep referring to tomorrow, but obviously we record the shows a day in advance. So if you're here today or tomorrow, we're talking about the same day, and that would be that would be uh, Tuesday. Yeah, so just I'll, fin- I'll finish with a little bit about Snell as well. I've always loved Snell. Again, I'm from, I'm from Seattle. He's from Shoreline, which is right by Seattle, so represent. But with him, I you hit the nail on the head there as well as talking about where, yes, he has the amazing power, but with that power, if he doesn't locate it exactly right, he does. he's prone to throw a lot of walks, and that just adds even more to that pitch count. That's going to be, I think, the biggest thing for Snell going forward is being able to try to corral his power a little bit because he's a very good power arm, very good dominant stuff, but he needs to be able to limit those walks. He wants to be, if he wants to be fully successful, we see what happens when he does do it. I mean, heck, he was a Cy Young, he was a Cy Young candidate. I mean, he was a fantastic pitcher, and he is a fantastic pitcher. Just got to work on the control a little bit more. Mac, any final thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think what you guys have said about Snell is very spot on. I mean, yeah, he did win the Cy Young in 2018, but uh, this year especially, I think he. Uh, he, he struggled with the walks. I mean, I think not just him. I think Glasnow struggled with walks, at least in the postseason, too. But uh, Ken has a point. I mean, he made 11 starts this year, but he only threw 50 innings, which means he's averaging less than five innings per start, which is a little concerning. Uh, I love guys that, you know, strike guys out and all that. But, I mean, he he gets a little, I mean... Uh, he, he he only walked 3.2 batters per nine in the regular season, but I think it's been a bit of an issue for him in the postseason. Although the other thing is that he led the majors in wild pitches in the regular season with seven. So I think you know he's a very talented pitcher. He's got great stuff. Uh, but yeah, if he could figure out a way to work more in, deeper into games, I think he'll he'll definitely be much more effective. And the Rays are going to need that big time in game six. All right, let's oh, go. You guys are right. Uh, I was just uh, going to say, you guys are right. You should limit his walks. My point, though, is Kevin Cash doesn't let anybody go deep into games usually. Like, it's just not a thing he's accustomed to do other than at the end of a season and postseason. So, like, if Snell, like, even in that 
the only season he did it was, I mean, if he didn't in that Cy Young season, like, well, no, he wasn't the manager. Then. So, like, yeah, he just doesn't let people go deep. Like, Snell just usually goes even third time through the order. Some, he comes out sometime through. I think it's just philosophy where I can't really blame a guy for not going deep into a game when he's on the athletics or raise because both of those teams tend to go, okay, it's a third time through the order, unless if you're absolutely destroying them tonight. You're probably not staying out there that long. Yeah, but to Cash's defense, um, he has worked the three batter minimum beautifully, in my opinion. I agree anyway. with that. I agree with that. But that doesn't that doesn't change anything about throw time through the order. Do you always take your guy out? I'm saying watching them, most of the they've been a team that's fun to watch. I've watched a decent amount of the games. It seems like most pitchers, whether Morton's rolling games, I. Yarborough's cruise and he would be at like 68 pitches and catch, but I guess third time through the order, there's a decent right-hander up, let's get you out now. Like, it it just seems like that's his philosophy all, nine times out of ten. And the only time he alters is in the postseason because you have to at times. Alright, moving over to uh, game three. Um, thus far, we're, we're, we're trading punches game by game, and the Dodgers uh, took game three by a final of six to two. Uh, which obviously put them up in the series two to one. You had Walker Bueller with the win, six innings pitched, three hits, one earned run, one walk, ten Ks, no home runs. And Charlie Morton uh, took the loss for the Rays, four point one innings pitched, gave up seven hits, five earned runs, one walk, fans six, and gave up one dinger. Um, Mac, your take on uh, the pitching in game three? I think you know. I thought both pitchers looked like they had good stuff obviously Bueller's I think was better Bueller looked probably the best he's looked all postseason I mean he's had a great postseason but just this start uh, I mean 10 strikeouts three hits only one walk only one run you know he he had all of his pitches working up down in and out like he was working the corners he he could he was hitting his spots he was just locked in and then Morton no, the thing with Morton is, I said he didn't look like he had bad stuff. It's just the Dodgers, they're a pesky team uh, offensively when they need to be. I mean, they did the same thing to Glasnow both times Glasnow's pitched. I mean, they just, they foul pitches off. They worked long at bats. I mean, Morton only went four and a third innings, and he threw 91 pitches. I mean, they, they were working the at bats. They were hitting for power when they needed to. They were... You know, hitting for contact, they were they were laying off the the junk balls. They they were just doing a very good job, and you know, as we've seen with the the teams that won, they're just playing very good baseball. And I think that was definitely the case in Game Three. Alex, yeah. So on this one, it looked a lot closer to Game One. I think with Charlie Morton, I was really excited for this matchup because I thought this was going to be a really good matchup. But Morton, to, in my opinion, just to me, I don't really think that I, – I don't think we saw the best of Morton. I think that what we're going to see in game uh, in game seven, if we get to game seven with this, I think that uh, we're going to see some more of him, and I think we're going to see a better version of Charlie Morton than what we saw in game three. Again, four and a third innings pitch, seven hits, five earned runs, one walk to six strikeouts. Again, not the worst outing, but really when you need to have that big moment, he just didn't come up with it. This was one of those games that just really harkened back to game one, where the Dodgers just looked like, all right, you got your win. Good for you. 
it's our turn now. And that goes with the offense, especially when you take a look at the Dodgers. Overall, as a, as a team, with 10 for 36. It's a batting average of 278. The Rays, as a team, batted 133. Then, I mean, even with runners in scoring position, the Dodgers were batting 500. That's that's something that right now, if you're just going to be the better team offensively, defensively, there's nothing else to look at. You've won that ball game. I think the Rays did a really good job of picking up the pieces from that and taking it forward into Game 4, which we'll talk about in a moment. But really, this game, uh, like Game 1, this one felt like it was all Dodgers. And Joe? Yeah, this one was certainly all Dodgers. Uh, everyone hit it right on the head. Turner, then Muncy with a single after Turner Hermit in the first and the third, I mean. And then a guy that you wouldn't expect to step up on their offense in Austin Bournes hit a sack fly, and then after the Rays finally got a run, hit a home run of all people on the Dodgers that hit a home run. So, I mean, that was just a game, like Alex and Max said, that was just going the Dodgers' way. The entire night, I mean, Bueller was amazing. I mean, the only thing, the only guy that kept cruising for the Rays in that game was a Rosarina hit another home run late. That didn't matter. Who's been just destroying baseballs the entire playoffs. But, I mean, Walker Bueller was dominant that game. Ten strikeouts. I mean, he could barely be touched. He only gave up three hits and one earned run. And then Trinan was good in that game as well as a Gratterall, who in my opinion is one of the most fun pitchers to watch in baseball. That dude Gratterall, if he can become a starter, could potentially be really something. But yeah, their, their pitching was amazing and their hitting was even even better in that game. So all Dodgers for sure. Yeah, and uh, Alex kind of t- Alex kind of touched on it. Uh, Dodgers ten for thirty six, a two seventy eight average. Um, yes, five hundred with runners in scoring position, but. Uh, that was only uh, a two for four. Still 500, but small sample size. Mm-hmm. Uh, they drew three walks and uh, fanned ten times, where the Rays' uh, offense was um, pretty much non-existent other than a Rosarina. Uh, they went four for 30, which is a 133 average. One for three in scoring uh, with runners in scoring position, which is uh, a 333 average. Drew one walk and fanned 13 times. Um at that point, when the Dodgers were up 2-1, and um, they looked pretty authoritative, I I started be, you know to to think that um, Game Four obviously was going to be a must-win for Tampa, um, I, you know, and and I I kind of felt that way um, about Game Five, which we'll obviously get to in a few minutes here. But um, my fear is that that uh, the Dodgers are a team that can withstand being down two games and come back to make them up. I'm not sure that Tampa can do that against the Dodgers. Um, so obviously game four, by far the, uh, by far and away the best game this series, in my opinion, um, the Rays, the Rays tied it up at, at two games to two with an eight to seven win. Um, one of you guys want to explain the excitement? Because <laughs> oh, I don't, I, I don't even, I'll, I don't even know I'll, where to begin. <laughs> uh, I mean, I will be down to do the final play, but uh, that because that last moment was absolutely outstanding. I'll admit, I did not get to watch it live, but watching the replay of it um, on the MLB app was. I basically just started. I screamed when I saw the the bobble by Chris Taylor. So. Do you want me to kind of do the play-by-play of that last? Sure. 
So runners on first and second, two outs, count is one and two. It's like the Rays are down to the final strike. Phillips hits a little line shot into center field right over the head of the second baseman. Chris Taylor in center field bobbles it, goes to scoop it up off the ground while slightly on the run, and just scoops the ball out into shallow right center field. First runner is able to score easily. The throw gets cut off by the second baseman. And the, then there's the throw home. Randy Rosarina is coming around third, and he's thinking, oh, no, I need to get back because I'm going to be out at the plate. Trips and falls. Well, so no, at now that, everyone's at that, point, at that point, he was still committed to trying to score. It he was, was trying he, to, It was when he tripped he, and fell that he didn't know what to do. Fair enough, fair enough. So at that point, so he trips and falls, tries to figure out, okay, wait, which way am I going to go? The throw home then to Will Smith is bobbled, goes right behind him, right past the home plate umpire. Rosarina scores, basically just tapping home plate over and over again, getting the Rays the win in the fu- in game four in one of the most exciting endings to a playoff game I've seen in a bit. Me- meanwhile, uh, Adamus comes running out of the dugout to go celebrate with his teammates. We've got... Um, oh... Good Lord, now I zoned out his name. Who hit that ball? Uh, Phillips. Phillips. Phillips yeah. He's out there with his wings spread doing the airplane like David Bodie when he hit the walk-off grand slam against the <laughs> yes! Nationals. We, yeah, got, yeah. we got Adamus jumping over a Rosarina who's still laying at home plate smacking the plate. Everybody's running out there to, to, to hug Phillips who finally tires out. Then it looked like for a minute Phillips was going to have a, a freaking heart attack because he was just like frozen there. You know, I couldn't tell if the guy was laughing, crying, sweating, you know, or or what. But he was just literally in a state of shock. Um, so yeah, un- unbelievable play to end the game. Um, I I I never saw it coming. You know, especially when Rosarena went barrel rolling after he passed third base. Um, but but yeah, they they weren't they weren't settling for a tie in that game. They were just going to go ahead and win it all. So, uh, pitching wise, I was going to say, oh, say about that final play, though, that was literally a come on man moment for Will Smith because if he just yeah. looked, he did not have to rush that tag at all, where he completely just all laid a ball that he had no business having to run. Like, that's just like one of the, like, either way, it would have been like, ah, come on, man. And like, no matter what, because the one dude tripped, <laughs> so he would have easily been out, or the catcher screws up. And the catcher ended up screwing up because he just rushed a play that didn't need to be rushed if he just Yeah, he was looking for a swipe tag, out. is what he thought. Yeah, which there was no need to swipe tag a dude that wiped out down the third baseline if you just noticed that. Um, so that's that was unfortunate for him, but that was definitely one of those come on man, what are you doing moments. But that was that was a that was a beautiful play. And that ball was almost caught at second base and and just uh, just off the tip of the glove, you know, and then like you said, you know, when when uh, a uh, Chris Taylor bobbled that thing, I was like, no way, they're gonna tie this. And then I look up, and you know, here comes a Rosarena, and then there goes a Rosarena, and then a Rosarena's on his way back to third. Then he's going home. So, yep, absolutely awesome play to end the game. The only, the only thing that could have made that play any better is if that happened in Game Seven, and I don't oh, care which. Yeah. And I don't care which team would have would have pulled off scoring the runs. That would have been the that would have been the ultimate way to end the World Series. 
if Phillips, that like you're talking about Phillips having like kind of uh, it was Phillips or um, Adamus who had the heart that looked like he was having a heart attack. Oh, in that Phillips. Moment, yeah. yeah, Phillips. Yeah, if that was Game Seven of the World Series, I'm pretty sure it would have been a heart attack in that yeah. moment because he knows that he would have just won the World Series with a little loop single in his center field. Yeah, the guy but, had the guy hadn't batted in a month. Um, you know, hadn't had a hadn't had a I don't think a single at bat in the playoffs. You know, and he's down two strikes on 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 two bad strike calls to boot. You know, and then he just and then he just lifts the ball, you know, just over the head of the you know the second baseman and out into right field, and then that set everything into motion. Yeah, Brett yeah. And Phillips one, is a, one postseason at bat, one hit, one RBI, and he's well, more and, of a fielding replacement too. Like that's what Phillips is used for: gunning people out, outfield assists, and getting to balls in the gap twenty four seven. Not a guy that you expect to be. Uh, your clutch uh, hitter, as opposed to their other great fielder out there, Kiermaier, who's been a clutch hitter his um, entire career for the Rays. That's basically been the type of hitter he is. So that's why that was also surprising in that aspect as well. Yeah, looking at the pitching for that game, Yarborough got no decision. He went 3.1 innings, gave up five hits, two earned runs. One walk, struck out one, and gave up two home runs. Um, Curtis got the win. Uh, he pitched uh, 1.1 innings. Gave up two hits, no earned runs, no balls, uh, uh, based on balls, no Ks. Um, Urias uh, took uh, a no decision for the Dodgers. 4.2 innings pitched, four hits, two earned runs, one walk, nine Ks, two home runs. And Kenley Jansen took the loss with two-thirds of an inning pitched. Gave up two hits, two earned, uh, two runs, one of those earned. Obviously, the other one coming on the air uh, at home plate. One walk and one strikeout. Uh, for the Dodgers, Turner and Seager homered. And uh, for the Rays, it was another slugfest. You had Kiermaier, Lowe, Renfro, and Rosarina all going deep. Um, Mac, your thoughts on all the home runs in game four? Well, I, I thought that uh, the you know the Dodgers got off to a fast start. Uh, I thought that you know that that early offense would lead to another victory, but I think that this game is also on Dave Roberts. Well, I mean, you guys were talking about that last play, and I think that there was so much wrong with that. I mean, first of all. Kenley Jansen should not have been pitching, in my opinion. And I, I, once you finish your point, there's something I want to bring up to everybody about Kenley Jansen. But yes, please. I'm yeah. sorry for interrupting. Well, please continue. Yeah, well, it's that. So I thought that Gratterall only threw seven pitches in the inning before. He should have stayed in and tried to finish it out. I mean, I think Jansen is kind of, you know, streaky. And I think Gratterall has looked great this postseason. And also, Earlier in the game, when Lyle hit the home run, he hit the three-run home run off Pedro Baez. Baez has been awful against left-handed hitting this year, and for his career as a whole, he should not have been facing Lyle. Um, I I don't know what Dave Roberts was doing that game, but he did it very poorly. And also on that last play, we talk about Will Smith, you know, with the swipe tag. In reality, what was Max Muncy doing cutting that ball off? If Taylor just throws it home. You know, Smith doesn't have to worry about getting the slap tag down necessarily. He can just get the ball. You know, when you cut the ball off, it changes the angle and then, like, the angle that the throw is coming from. Now, all of a sudden, Smith, you know, he has to, he's looking in a different direction. He gets a, tries to do a swipe tag and just botches it, even though, 
or Rosarino was nowhere close. I mean, there was just so much wrong with that play. Yeah, I think if uh, they'd let that. Yeah, if they don't let that ball gone through, or Rosarino, Rosarino's a, he's, a, he's a he's a dead duck, and it goes to extra innings. I just that was you know the Dodgers are such a great team. They just completely botched that play, and Dave Roberts botched that game with his management. Uh, I think Arias for the most part looked very good. Um, you know, nine strikeouts, two runs. Yes, uh, trying in a bit of a rough outing. Baez, I mean, again, I don't know why he was in the game to begin with. Uh, he's just not very good in big situations. So, I mean, I think the Dodgers, their offense was in tune, but their pitching and defense just couldn't get the job done. Alex? Yeah, so my thing was that, and this is kind of the question that I've been kind of thinking to myself a little bit, and kind of what I brought up when Matt was talking, was that do if you're Dave Roberts, do you trust Hanley Jansen anymore for Game 6 or even Game 7? I mean, here's the thing right now is that we've seen that the, there have been some bullpen guys that have really done well, and Gatterall especially one of them as well. But right now you take a look in the World Series at this exact moment. And for, uh, excuse me, for, uh, for Kenley Jansen has not looked good. A 10.8 ERA so far, 0-1-1 in just 1.2 innings pitched, three hits, three runs, two earned, one walk to two strikeouts, a whip of 2.40. And I know that's a small sample size. I apologize for using a small sample size. But really, Kenley has not looked good as of late. And right now, you are at two of the most important games. Right now, game six and game seven, where if you win game, if you win either one of those games, you win the World Series, and the monkey gets off of Dave Roberts' back, most likely. But do you... It's like... If you're Roberts, do you trust Kenley Jansen right now to be pitching? We we know that he's been a top-tier closer in the past. But right now, it's not looking like it, and the Rays have been hitting them. What do you do in that part? Do you keep with Jansen? Or do you say, you know what, we're just, we got other arms? Well, if... For you know, obviously, for it was for anybody, but in my opinion, I think what you do is you know, if you're working a close game, say fifth or sixth inning, and you're up by two runs, maybe you bring Jansen in early to where if he does screw up, you got a chance to pull him and put somebody in, um, you know, because you know, you've got you know, three or four innings of you know, of, of your offense left to go if you get in trouble, um, but I don't think, um, with with Jansen's reputation, um, you know, obviously he's a very established closer. Um, he throws hard. Um, I I don't think that you can bench, you know, Jansen. I mean, that would be like that would be like saying, well, you know, a Rosarino went zero for three of the first three games of the series, so we're gonna, we're not going to play him. That would be nonsense. So I agree with you to a point. Um, my thing right here with Jansen is that, like you said, he's an established closer. One of the things that closers do, and again, this is just from what I've experienced. So if everyone wants to try to call me out on it, that's fine. But for being a closer, one of the things that gets you going, that makes you be as good as you are, is the thrill of the ninth inning. That kind of adrenaline rush is what caused a lot of closers to work. I mean, there's kind of the joke in baseball that's, 
a quote-unquote closer is dime a dozen. A true closer is rare. And Kenley Jansen right now, yeah, he is a true closer. But I think that for him right now, he thrills more off the ninth inning. And if he isn't succeeding in the ninth inning, I don't see him doing any better in the earlier innings. He doesn't have that adrenaline rush. He doesn't have that feeling of, all right, the game is on the line, which a lot of closers are known to work through. Like, that is how they get a lot of their mojo. Well, but maybe you use him in a situation like that in the game six, and then if it does go to game seven, um, assuming that it doesn't go to game seven because of Kenley Jansen, you know, then then maybe you bring him back in the closer role in game seven, give him an you know an inning uh, early, you know, in game six to build up his confidence a little bit, um, maybe get his feet back under him, and then and then use him late in game seven if they have to. Joe, what's your take? Um. I think Jansen's been proven his entire career, but we have seen he's been having to learn how to pitch differently now, losing his velo in the last couple years. So it has risen his numbers from, I mean, what his normal uh, career would be. I mean, his MLB career numbers are at 239. This year was at a 333 ERA. So he keeps going up a bit and a 1.15 uh whip where he's usually down below a one when he was in his prime so uh he's a guy that is kind of trying to adjust to the way he needs to pitch now at this point of his career where he has more of these um ruts and like peaks and valley ruts in his career than he did in his prime because he just needs to learn how to use his cutter not at 98 miles per hour and use it like not use his other like pitches not at 87 or 88 as his uh, off-speed pitches now and adjust them to like lower 80s and all that good stuff which he's been learning and that's why he got going last series towards the end of that series for a couple games uh, in the in the end of that series and, and then all of a sudden he lost it again so I mean I would say ride the hot hand, though. Trinan just got the save in the last game. Um, I wouldn't go back to Jansen if, unless if you think there's a good matchups for him. Like, if you have three straight matchups where those three people have stunk against Kenley Jansen in their career, then, yeah, use Jansen. But otherwise, I would ride the hot hand. And I agree with Mac. They probably should have left the Gratterall in that one game because when that kid's going well, like I said, that dude's a beast to watch, and he's a beast when he's when he's looks like he's a man on a mission out there. He is on a mission, and he that mission is to finish the game, and he probably could have. So uh, that's also a decision making there for Roberts, and I agree it wasn't the most peachy keen. So I would say ride the hot hands if Jansen gets in a good situation, um, use him for if he's put in a good spot to use him. But otherwise, you might want to ride the hot hands because I agree with Alex. You closures usually run on adrenaline where the last point I'll make is the only other time you usually could use a closer is in the eighth because you still kinda have that adrenaline if you're trying to get them going, but that's too much of a risk where if you're gonna do it you would have to do it tomorrow on Tuesday in game six, where you would not want to do that in game seven because if he blows you anything in game seven, that's gonna be Dave Roberts' job. So yeah, and uh, recapping the, the offense overall for Game 4, uh, the Dodgers actually out-hit the Rays. They went 15 for 40 with a 375 team average, 4 for 16, which is 250 with runners in scoring position, drew four walks, and, and only took six strikeouts. 
Rays, on the other hand, went 10 for 34, which was a 294 average. That's still pretty stout. Uh, two for six with runners in scoring position, which is a 333 average. Uh, drew five walks, but fanned 14 times. Um, obviously, um, as we saw by the final score, stats mean nothing when you score the most runs. Moving on over to game five. Um, again, we're back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, so whose turn was it? The Dodgers, who took a 4-2 to two win last <laughs> night and a 3-2 to two series lead. Um, Glasnow took the loss, five innings pitch, six hits, four earned runs, three walks, seven Ks, and gave up two dingers, uh, while Kershaw got the win with 5.2 innings pitched, five hits, two earned runs, two walks, and six Ks, and then Trinan, as you mentioned, got the save. Uh, went one full inning, gave up one hit, no runs, uh, no walks, and fan two. Um, Mac, your take on game five. Yeah, again, another very well-played game by the Dodgers. It was a nice bounce back from, you know, that sloppy game four, the way that ended. You know, uh, once again, they made Glasnow get his pitch count up. You know, Glasnow, he got in trouble immediately, uh, allowing the – uh, the double to bets and then the RBI single to Corey Seager, who's been just fantastic all postseason. Uh, you know, the Dodgers, they they did what they needed to do. They scored early and often. Um, you know, Glasnow, I think, settled in a little bit after those first two innings. He's at 51 pitches through two innings. But, you know, he settled down, only allowed that home run to Muncie after those two innings. Uh, just, you know, Kershaw... They didn't look like he was as good in, as he was in game one, but he still was very solid, you know, pitched. He's been pitching well this series and overall not bad for the postseason, much better than he normally is. And, you know, Blake Shrine, that was a big bounce back performance for Shrine. And, you know, he had pitched three games in a row and had a rough outing in game four. So, you know, to see him, you know, that, that was a case where Dave Roberts realized he could not go to Jansen for the ninth. And Trinan came in, and after allowing leadoff hit, he looked fantastic, you know. And the the Dodgers, you know, they they just they did everything right yesterday in Game Five. So, you know, they they looked good. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they can do in Game Six. But right now, I think the Dodgers they they looked very good. Alex. Yeah, so for Game 6, I'm actually really favoring the Rays here. The reason why is you've got, right now, the announced matchup already is Blake Snell versus Tony Gonzolin. And for Blake Snell, we've talked about, I've already said reasons why I like him. Right now, so far, he's done well in the postseason. Tony has not as well so far. No one's two record, 9.39 ERA, 9 strikeouts. Whereas Blake Snell, 2-2 two two record, 3.33 ERA, 28 strikeouts. For me, this game really comes down to whether or not Blake Snell, through the five or six innings that he pitches, that he limits the walks. If he can limit the walks and limit the free bases he's giving to these guys, I think the Rays can come away with a good win. For the Dodgers, I think that right now they are one game away. And one game away is simultaneously the best and worst position to be in because you know that you need just one more win in order to be done with everything. And there's that little bit of pressure. Can you be clutch enough to get that last win? And that can get into the head of some people. Do I think that's going to happen with the Dodgers? I don't know. What I am saying, though, is that it can simultaneously be the best and worst place to be. I mean, take a look at the Yankees 2004. 
Um, hey, buddy, we're talking about Game 5. Oh, I was talking about Game 6. Holy, wow. I was, I was already on Game 6. Let's go. All right, Game 5. Okay, uh, I'm going to reset myself. Here we go, Game 5. So, with this one again for the Dodgers, this is another one where it just looked like, again, it's an odd-numbered game where the Dodgers just looked like they were in control. This is another where Glasnow did not look as great. It looked all right. I'm not going to say he looked better than he did this first time out. But for the Dodgers, again, it just looked like they were the better team. It just looked like they were stronger. And from it, that first, it's like, they were the team that scored first. And it just really, that was it. There was nowhere to go left for the race. Once the Dodgers get that early lead, it is really hard for them to come back. We've seen them do it before. But Dodgers had an early 2 nothing lead and never let it go. Uh, Joe, you want to take a shot at game five, or do you just want to go to game six, too? (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Well, game, I don't game know. Five. I, I, am, I am sorry, guys. Was, <laughs> I was, was, I was like, I couldn't find a good spot <laughs> to stop you, so I thought, well, we'll just let them roll. <laughs> All right, so when we get to game six, just let me just simmer for a bit. Okay. <laughs> but um, I was going to say game five was Kershaw wasn't obviously what he was in game one. That's correct, but he was still a good, good he got six strikeouts. He walked a couple, which isn't as accustomed for him, but he continued to do well in this postseason. Then May came in and had one of his good outings. Um, and then that Gonzalez kid pitched another two-thirds of an inning pretty solid. And then, of course, trying and wrapped it up. Um, like Alex said, I mean, they just uh, – when they get when the Dodgers get going early, usually you're not going to catch them because they're going to go, especially in the playoffs when they now have guys swinging from starting to pen and Gratterall out there. They're going to go to their best rollers, and it's hard to catch them at that point. I mean, I know they made it three one and then three two after Rosarina, of course, again uh, made it three two, but then uh, Glassdale in his final and he gave up that homer to. Muncie and the Dodgers didn't look back from that fourth run and just uh, pitched uh, the heck out of the rest of the ball game. So, yeah, that was a great uh, pitching performance by the Dodgers through and through in that game. And then good hitting to start the game. And then Max Muncie coming up big to get them that extra run uh, in the fifth inning. So, yeah, that was just a good game by the Dodgers through and through. Yeah, I didn't get to see the whole game last night. Um, when I turned it on, it was uh, three to nothing. And then uh, three to two. The next thing I knew, um, and then uh, I looked up and saw Muncie's home run, and I I kind of thought, oh, that's going to be the end of that. Uh, Peterson also home, uh, homered for the Dodgers. Nobody homered for the uh, for the Rays. Uh, overall, the offense six for thirty two, one eighty eight. So the Dodgers didn't hit very well last night. They were two for six or 333 with runners in scoring position, drew five walks, and fanned eight times, while while the Rays actually out-hit them, seven for 31, which was a 226 team average. Uh, but they only went one for six, which is a uh, 143 average with runners in scoring position, drew three walks and 10 strikeouts. Um, you know, as we were saying earlier, I kind of felt that that last night was, was a must-win for the Rays, um, like I said, I I think the Dodgers have, um, well, obviously now they have the momentum, 
But um, throughout this series, I've always thought the Dodgers were the ones that would have the momentum to make up a two-game deficit um, where, where I thought it was almost imperative um, for the you know, for the Rays to, to be able to trade punches, you know, now they're down, now they're down three games to two. Um, LA is the, well, the considered the home team, the next two games. Um, and I think it's going to be going to be real tough for, um, for Tampa to be able to make up these two games. Um, that might be good for Dave Roberts job security. Um, I don't think it's going to cause Kevin Cash to go anywhere. Um, but it would be kind of, a, in my opinion, a, you know, a terrible ending to a great season for the Rays. Um, now let's talk about Game Six. Um, Alex, did you want to start? <laughs> yeah, just referred to about five minutes ago, and uh, you got my, uh, you got my points. Uh, Blake Snell do good, no walk. People, Tony Gonzalez did bad, he won't. Okay, there you go. There's, there you that, go. there's my, there's my preview. <laughs> All right, Mac. I mean, I think Alex did hit the nail on the head with uh, his points. I mean, I think I like the, I think I like the Rays in this matchup. I mean, Gonsolin, you know, he's a good pitcher, but he has not necessarily been very good this postseason. And, you know, the Rays, the Rays got to him in Game Two. They got to basically everybody that day. So, you know, bullpen game. The, the Dodgers have good pitching, but I don't think it's necessarily as good as the Rays. So, you know, if the, if the Dodgers are able to get to Snell, the Dodgers will probably end up winning, and that will be the series. But that being said, you know, they're going to need Gonsolin to come through uh, big time, better than he has in any of the other outings he's had. So... It's going to really come down to uh, how well he pitches and how well the rest of their staff does uh, because I think the Rays definitely have the pitching advantage here. It's just, you know, who who gets to the pitchers more. And Joe? Joe? Sorry, my mic cut out for some reason. No, um, I was going to say uh, Gonsolin's struggle in all postseason. I agree with what the guys said. Uh, I think um, putting him out there when usually when he's open, guys have jumped on him early. I think the Rays will be able to potentially get those key hits early in this game. And that's what will put them over the hump for Game 7, which is good for all of our predictions other than Alex's because all of us picked some team in Game 7. So... No matter what, that would be good for all of our predictions uh, to have a chance there. So I think Snell's going to pitch a pretty good game, and then I think the Rays are probably going to jump out early on Gosselin like others have as he's open in this postseason. So I think I'll take the Rays in that game. And everybody else already hit all the points on the head. A Rosarina, I'll just say a Rosarina has to continue to hit well, and someone like a Lau or a Wendell or a Diaz has to step up for the Rays. It can't just be him, obviously. Yeah, and I, I think uh, the pitching, um, you know, even uh, with regard to what I said about Snell earlier, uh, I think the pitching definitely favors the Rays in this game. Um, in the postseason, Snell has got a 2-2 two and two record of 333 ERA with uh, 28 strikeouts. Uh, Gonsolin's got an 0-2 record of 939 ERA um, with 9 strikeouts. So, 
obviously uh, Snell has had much better luck in the postseason than Gonsolin has. Um, I don't have to say that this is a must-win game for the Rays because if they don't win, it's over, um, which kind of then just obviously leads us into a Game 7. Um, assuming the Rays win tomorrow night, uh, Game 7 is going to feature Charlie Morton, who's 0-1 with a 10-38 ERA and six strikeouts in the World Series, um, facing um, Dodgers ace Walker Buehler, uh, who's 1-0 with a 1-50 ERA and 10 strikeouts in the World Series. Um, guys, what are your thoughts if we make it to a Game 7? Uh, I'll start with Mac. So... If the, if, you know, if the Rays force a game seven, it'll be very, very interesting. Uh, looking at the pitching matchup, you have Charlie Morton going for the Rays, who has been fantastic in winner-take-all games. You know, it, you know, it all really started when he was with the Astros in 2017, when he came in out of the bullpen in game seven and pitched, I'm pretty sure, the last five innings or so and shut the door on that series. He... Pitched very well in ALCS Game 7 in the... I mean, yeah, in ALCS Game 7 this year. I mean, he he has a good postseason track record. And if he can just control, like, you know, do better than what he did in Game 3 and control his pitch count, I think he'll be putting the Rays in a very good position. Meanwhile, the Dodgers will have Bueller going, who has been great all postseason and was great again in Game Three. So, if the you know if the pitchers are on, I think this will be a very good pitchers duel. You know, the Dodgers are very pesky; they they work pitch counts very high, and they they're able to hit a lot of homers. And the same could be said about the Rays. You know, it's going to be very interesting. I feel like. I kind of am leaning towards taking the Dodgers in this one, but at the same time, I would not be surprised if the Rays figure out how to get to Bueller and end up winning if there is a game seven. So, you know, it's going to be very interesting. You know, pitch counts are going to be a big factor game seven. So all hands on deck, basically anyone can pitch. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Clayton Kershaw come out of the bullpen in that game. So, you know, game seven, two greatest words in sports. No, it'll be very interesting. I, I'm kind of hoping for a game seven. So, you know, ho- hopefully we, we get there and I'm, I'd be super excited to watch one. Alex. All right. So it's my turn to talk about game nine now, right? Right. Um, game nine. No, no. Game seven. I think this is going to be really fun if we get to game seven, which I think we will. Charlie Morton has shown that he has incredible fortitude when it comes to deciding games. Like, there are a few pitchers that I would trust more than Morton right now, at the very least. And I think that right now, I don't want to give either team really an advantage. It's Game 7. Odd number games have favored the Dodgers in this series, obviously, as they've just gone back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But... Something about the Rays right now, something about, especially if they're able to get the win on Tuesday in game six, I don't know, something about having Charlie Morton, who is known for doing well in winner-go-home games, you have an offense that that will be on a one-game, quote-unquote, that will come off a little bit of momentum off of winning game six and then having a chance to win the World Series on it. And the Dodgers' uh, World Series history as of the last ten years I don't know. I just I see a lot of it coming through it. 
I, I know the Dodgers have outscored people 29 to 20. I know that the Dodgers right now, again, have Walker Buehler, who is going one and one. But, you know, I really think that this is a... I think the Rays might have this one. I The play of the small market team, I think, will come through here for Tampa. And we're going to see the Rays holding the trophy. Cool. And Joe? Um... Yeah, I'm going to stick with uh, my prediction of the Dodgers just because I think Walker Bueller's been pitching so well. I mean, I hope, honestly, I'm wrong because I would like to see the underdog team, the Rays, win their first World Series. Um, It's just I'm going to stick with the Dodgers because Bueller's just been the menace of this postseason uh, he was pitching through a blister that their medical staff did a marvelous job at getting him through, and now it's been apparently, uh, per reports, better. So uh, he's a guy that's just going to keep doing it, and I think that's going to get the Dodgers over the hump because he's a guy that does pitch and can pitch deep into games where Morton needs to bounce back. He has been great in decisive games. This has a chance, again, to be a heck of a pitching matchup. Maybe we'll get it this game since we didn't get at the final game. But because the Dodgers, again, like I said in our podcast to start this World Series, are going to have the final at-bat. That's why I took them in Game 7 to begin with, because I think this series could come down to the final at-bat. And with this pitching matchup of Morton and Bueller, it definitely could end up with those two guys potentially going deep in the bullpens of these two clubs going down to the final at-bat, which would then be the Dodgers. So that's why I think... They've outscored them by nine runs uh, through the first five. They'll be able to continue to outscore them and get that uh, big uh, run in the final inning if need be, and that will be what puts the Dodgers over the top. I mean, we know they have clutch hitting after clutch hitting on that club. Yeah, and it it has been a slugfest um, through the course of the first Five games, they've scored 45 runs, which comes out to an average of 9.8 runs a game between them. So I, I would think, you know, we're, we're going to look for more scoring, high scoring, um, in game six and then in, in a game seven, God willing. Um, but that just goes to show, we you know, we all talked about this early on, um, you know, that we had, the, we, that we had the, the raise with, you know, tremendous pitching and, and a solid offense, you know, versus, you know, the Dodgers with, you know, um, obviously very good pitching and a very stout offense, you know, and thus far, you know, the Dodgers, um, you know, for their, for their one game lead in the series have outscored the Rays by nine, um, 29 to 20 overall. Um, what do you think, Mac, more offense in game six and seven? I think game six will definitely be a bit more of what we've seen, at least more more like a game four, I think, where there's going to be a lot of offense. Uh, I think if it gets to a game seven, that would be more of a pitcher's duel. I mean, I mentioned that the pitching matchup is very good. You know, two, two very good pitchers in Morton and Bueller, and I think that could turn into uh, an epic pitcher's duel. You know, it's going to be interesting. I think the Rays 
it's interesting because in the regular season, I didn't think of the Rays as like a power hitting team, but they've they've done very well uh, using the long ball. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and the Dodgers, the Dodgers, if I'm being quite honest, have probably the best team I've ever watched play. Like on paper, this may be the best team since the 1998 Yankees. So I think the Dodgers, I've said it over and over again, but if they don't win this series, it's a complete failure of a season. Um, you know, I think also this these are two teams that will be coming back to the World Series many times in the future. So, you know, for both teams, the, this isn't the end of their windows. So, you know, it'll be interesting. And uh, I think these next two games, if there are two games, will be very exciting. Alex? So, for the Rays, I'm actually going to kind of address what was just said a second ago. I think the Rays window is actually not open for that long. And the reason why is this, is that a lot of these players are going to be starting to want a little bit bigger contracts coming up within the next not very long. And the Rays just don't have that kind of payroll to work with. That's one, that is one of the biggest problems with some of these small, small, uh, small lower market teams. The Rays, that's why I really want them to win, right? I do want them to win just because I love seeing the small market team win. And I think a lot of guys do. It just, in my opinion, makes for a better story. Could the Astros have done better than the Rays? I don't think so. I think that the Astros right now did not have anywhere near the level of pitching that the Rays did. And the Rays have been able to not so much shut down the Dodgers with their pitching, but that has been one of the biggest reasons why they have done well. Joe, what's your take on that? Uh, could the Astros have done better than the Rays are doing? Um, I think the Rays have done pretty good against the Dodgers. I personally think the Rays have, were the team to match up the best against the uh, Dodgers, but that's just how I feel. Yeah, Mac. I just think that the Rays, I mean, like Joe said, the Rays were the best matchup for the Dodgers. I know that for a while I'd been saying the Twins, and then the Twins just got knocked out early. The Astros, on the other hand, uh, you know, like you guys have alluded to, they don't have nearly the amount of depth, uh, especially on pitching. And I think that if this was a rematch of the 2017 World Series, the series would probably be over already. I mean, the Astros, you know, they, they were fighting, and I give them credit big time. So, you know, they, they made it to a game seven. They came back from down 3-0 to even up the series. But, you know, if they were facing the Dodgers, they would just be completely overmatched. I don't think they would have stood a chance. Although, and I, I wanted to say one thing, though, about the pitching is that, you know, we've been praising the Rays bullpen, and I think they've been doing great. But one guy that has not been doing so well is Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson, uh, after his outing in game four, has allowed at least one run in six straight appearances, which is bad. Uh, for a guy who was so dominant in the regular season, I think that is a cause for concern. I mean, we saw it in the Astros series. He looked mortal. And then this series, he's 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 had a home run problem, really. So that that's my one knock, I guess, on the Rays is the way Anderson has pitched. But other than that, I mean, 
the the Astros would have stood no shot against the Dodgers, and I think the Rays have done a very good job of making this a good series. I would agree. Um, obviously, the, you know the Rays took out the Astros, you know, to get to this point. Um, you know, so I mean, there. You know, you say the better team won. The better team is there. Um, you know, I think uh, I just kind of, you know, can't help but wonder with the whole cheating scandal and everything else that, you know, had the Astros made it, would they have played with that extra little degree of, you know, oomph, you know, to, to prove that, that, you know, they didn't need to be banging on trash cans to win games, you know, which is, which is funny because, you know, you saw them play this year and they, you know, they were, they were not great, but but obviously they made it as far as they did in you know in the postseason, you know which which leads me to the question: Why did they ever bother cheating to begin with? <laughs> you know, so it is what it is. We got a game six between between the Rays and the Dodgers. Um, hopefully, there's a game seven. Um, I think for for uh, you know the sixty game season and all the changes and the starting and the stopping and. Maybe we'll play, or maybe we won't, or maybe it'll be 40 games, or maybe it'll be 100 games. You know, I, I think that um, you know the you know the the ultimate end of the season would be to see a game seven. You know, obviously, you know I'd like to see the Rays win. Um, do I think they can do it at this point? It's a long shot, um, but it is what it is. Um, Mac, your final thoughts? You know, I. I didn't know much coming into the season. You know, it was gonna be it was gonna be interesting. You know, sixty game season. It's a sprint compared to one hundred sixty two games. But I've been very satisfied with how these last two rounds of, of baseball have gone. I mean, the division series and the wild card series were both kind of a wash. You know, there were a bunch of sweeps. Only one series in the division series went the full five games. So to see these last two rounds have, you know, the championship series were two seven game series. And now we're going to a game six here in the world series. I I've been loving watching these two teams play. I'm really glad that they are the teams that are still, you know, still standing because I think they are the two best teams in their respective leagues. So, you know, I think, it's been really fun, and you know, it's kind of sad that we're going to, you know, the season's going to be over, but, you know, I've enjoyed every second of it, and I also give these teams a ton of credit for this, the great seasons they've had. And, you know, regardless of win or lose, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to the Rays especially. If the Rays lose, I still think they have a, a, ton of, a ton to be proud of. Meanwhile, if the Dodgers lose, I think they, they've failed – you know, I, I, I say it a lot, but, like, in reality, this this roster should be good enough to just go straight through and win the World Series. So, you know, two, two different teams heading, you know, sort of in different directions, I guess. But, you know, in the terms that I think I know, I know that Alex said that the raise window may be not be as open as I think it is. But, you know, I think. These are teams that will be facing off each other, you know, maybe in another World Series, I think, even after this one. Interesting. And I, I would agree with you. You know, I wrote that article um, early, 
on in October, you know, and it, you know, and it was titled the the ML play uh, B playoffs have been you know horrible, and, and to, in my opinion, they had been at that point with all the the wild card sweeps and you know and and you know even the uh, the uh, division series, you know, but but you're right. Once they got to the LCS and now the World Series, um, you know, everybody's been going the distance, and you can't ask for for a better series than that. You know, I mean, who wants to, um, you know, see a World Series? Let, let's say you're kind of a neutral fan. You know, I'm, I'm not really a Dodgers fan. I'm not really a Rays fan. You know, but if you're, if you're that neutral fan, you know, who wants to see a four-game sweep in the World Series? You know, certainly not the advertisers. <laughs> so, yeah, um, definitely not the advertisers. You know, but uh, you know, no, I, I think you're right. I think it's, I think the playoffs. You know, over the last two you know, uh, series, you know, league championship and now the world series have been phenomenal. Um, Alex. Yeah. I think Mac, you hit it on the head and you put it extremely well. 2020 itself has just been such a weird year that this has been a season that will forever be remembered. Not even for the winners of the world series, not for who did the best, won the best record, but just for the fact that we do, this is the end of a 60 game season. Like, we played less than, sorry, we've played just a little more than a third of a season, like, excuse me, just a little less than a third. There we go. I can math. A little I less than a third. I think, it was, I think it's 53 point, uh, or. So no, just, just, no, yeah, okay, no, we're, I'm not a math major. It's fine. Anyway, we played <laughs> not even close to a, even half of a full season, and now here we are in October, and we're in game six of the World Series. A lot of people, including myself for a while, thought that baseball was not coming back, that it was just going to take a break for 2020. I think the Rays have a lot to be proud of. They really, and I mean really, blasted through a lot of expectations. Now, they are here in the World Series, two games away from winning it. This is the definition of a David and Goliath story, where you have a small market team, the team that has a budget that two players combined on the Dodgers make more than the entire Rays organization. And you are going up against the moneymaker millions team that has Hall of Famers on it, that has all-stars, that have these players that any team would be happy to have, on, have in their starting nine. And the fact that these two teams are competing, it really shows just how great baseball is. How great that any team can win if they know how to play the game. And I know that sounds really generic, but I mean, the Rays kind of show that. They have a lot to be proud of. They really shattered expectations. And now you take a look. You got two games left. You have this. I still think the Rays will take game six just because the pitching matchup looks really good for them. And for game 927, apparently, as I'm looking at my my just forecasting forward. No, but for game seven, it's going to be an amazing game. And one of my, my two favorite words in the English dictionary put together are game seven. Game seven just has so much drama, so much majesty to it. And the fact that we could get it here. The ALCS, NLCS, and World Series have really been absolute treats to watch. And now I think we have just the exact same thing happening here in the World Series, and I cannot wait to see it. And I did the math. It's 37% of a regular season. 
37%. I said a little over a third, so I was technically right yeah, on the Yeah, I don't, I don't know where I came up with 50. I'm, I'm still don't tired, Don't worry I about it. I, still, I thought we were in game six. We were in game five, so it's fine. Okay, so, that all works. That all works out. <laughs> um, Joe. Yeah, um, my final thoughts were just what most of us, uh, I think all of us said, honestly, on the intro uh, podcast, uh, Ken, that Alex uh, decided to ghost us. No, I'm kidding. Um, but um, <laughs> the, it's a, a um, series that was for the making to be one of the better series we thought we would all watch. Um, and that's what it has become, especially if it comes to Game 7. And it's been a mix of great pitching games with great hitting games with um, just some ridiculous plays, obviously, of falling, doing somersaults on the field and still scoring and all that. So, I mean, uh, these this became the two deepest teams in both uh, sides in the uh, AL and the NL both matched up, and we saw a series that you would expect when that became the case, and hopefully it does get to Game 7 because, like Max said, uh, Game 7 is two of the sweetest words in uh, sports. So, I mean... I agree with those two. I think uh, getting to a game seven would be huge. It also means the season goes on an extra day, and uh, that's great as well for us baseball fans. So I hope it gets that game seven with that great matchup. Uh, This has been a great series regardless, and it is a winning year. No matter what happens for the Rays, it's a winning year for them because people projected them to be a very good team this year. Nobody projected them to be the powerhouse of the entire American League, I don't think. So... I would say this has already been a winning year. They've got through the playoff, battling, uh, figuring out ways to pitch, get the clutch hits, like we said. And the Dodgers are just the powerhouse team. So like Max said, the Dodgers don't win this. That's just another shame on them thing. It's three of the last four. I mean, they got to get it sometime. And Dave Roberts probably uh, will be uh, getting hired somewhere else in the offseason if that does become the case. Yeah. And you know what? That's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, join us in a few days here when we, uh, well, the majority of us will be recapping the World Series. Um, Alex is going to cover opening day pictures for 2021. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? At this point, I'm already going to be in 2047 talking about the Super World Series between the Toronto Argonauts and the, and the Samsung Lions from the KBO. So, anyway... Um, that's going to do it for us tonight. Um, remember to follow us all on Twitter. We gave you guys our names at the beginning. Don't forget to follow uh, the podcast on Twitter at OTH underscore Cheap Seats. Um, don't forget to follow our baseball account at baseball underscore OTH. And by all means, don't forget to follow um, the main website, OT underscore Heroics. Um, for everybody else, I'm Ken Allison. Have a great night. Enjoy the last two games of the World Series, we hope. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Once again, that was Ken, Ryan, Joe, and Anthony on the Central Division podcast of today's episode of Cheap Seats Chatter. Uh, We want to thank our sponsors at dugoutmugs.com. That is D-U-G-O-U-T-M-U-G-S.com. Go check them out. They use barrels of old and used bats and make them into mugs with MLB team logos on them. So if you're a baseball fan or know a baseball fan, go check out dugoutmugs.com.
folks, this is going on live album. This is called Under City Lights.